Well, good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas to you. My name's Prash. I'm the Senior Minister. A very warm welcome to you, and it's great to have you here. Welcome to those who are joining us online on our live stream this morning. A Merry Christmas to you, too. Um, it's just another strange year of Christmas, of course, isn't it? Uh, I think two weeks ago we thought we're back to a normal Christmas, but here we are in masks. Actually, last year, someone did point out, last year, I, we may not have masks, but we didn't sing, so at least we get to sing this year, so we're thankful for that. I'm going to read the Bible to us. We've been reading this passage from the start of John's account of Jesus' life, and so I'm going to read that to us. We've been reading it for the last three weeks. We're going to read it again this morning uh, as, as we kind of close off this season reflecting on the birth of Jesus. Uh, here it is. The words will be on the screen as well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, uh, this morning I'm just going to spend a little, a little moment reflecting on that. I've got a couple of pictures for you. I've got, I've got a, little, a, a little guessing competition. I haven't made this too hard, so although I have perhaps dated myself by the selection of celebrities, but that's okay. Um, kids, you'll look at these people and think, who are they? But that's okay. That's part of the challenge. Who are these secret Santa celebrities? Okay, first one. Here's the first one. Ooh, who is that? Anyone? Anyone want to call out? Anyone want to throw themselves out there? That is Prince Charles. It's a Photoshop, of course. <laughs> I mean, it would be impressive if the heir to the throne decided to dress up as Santa Claus, but I don't think he did. Someone photoshopped that in. Who's this person? Uh, ooh. You may know his character, maybe not his name. It's Gandalf or Ian McKellen, dressed up as Santa Claus. And the last one. This one's tricky, but the background is a clue. Oh, the background is the clue here. It's Chandler. Oh, Matthew Perry, that's right. I love how we know their characters, not their names. It's a sign of their acting careers, I guess, isn't it? Um, now, imagine, I don't know if your family, this is your style to do the whole uh, go down to Westfield and get the family photo next to Santa. I know a lot of friends for whom that's just a, a tradition, you know, and then they send it out to every man, on their, man and woman on their mailing, mailing list. Um, if that's yours, that's okay. I'm not criticising that, by the way. But imagine you went to Westfield Chatswood, and nowadays I know with COVID, you kind of have to sit and meet and a half away from Santa Claus. He looks like this strange, weird old guy with a, with a beard, which, of course, has always struck me about the process. But anyway, you go there, you look across, and it's... 
Matthew Perry dressed up as Santa Claus. Imagine that, or it's Ian McKellen. You look across and you think, I know that guy. He was in Lord of the Rings. And he's now Santa Claus next to you. Imagine that happened. I guess my question is, A, would that happen? Probably not. Never, ever, actually. Uh, Certainly not in Chatswood. But is it possible you would recognise that person? Would you recognise them? It's, it's almost beyond possibility that someone like this would be the Santa in your Santa photo. So would that write off ever recognising them in that moment? I guess the question I'm asking is, when you're in the midst of greatness, do you recognise it? Is it possible that greatness could be in your midst, Stephen? These questions are important because at Christmas, this is the statement that the Bible is making. Greatness, actually not just greatness, but godness has come into the world. Here's what John says. This is uh, John, let me skip forward past Matthew Perry. Here's what John says in that reading. He says, he was in, he's talking about Jesus, talking about the Son of God, was in the world. The extraordinary statement of the Bible at Christmas is actually a claim that God came into the world, the Creator came and became created. God came into the world. He was in your midst. But here's the extraordinary thing as well. The Bible claims that though he came in, do you see what the second half of this this verse, this sentence says? The world did not recognize him. The world did not recognize him. Now you might think to yourself, well, that's exactly where the Bible story goes wrong. You see, because if God came into the world, we would recognize him. We would recognize, I mean, he's God. By very nature, if he enters into our existence, we should recognise him. It's not like Ian McKellen, and I probably would recognise Gandalf if he was dressed up as Santa Claus apart from me. But the Bible says, no, 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 no. Actually, God did come into the world. Now, it's not just John who says it. This is not just John's great prose for the moment, setting up a great story about Jesus. It actually gets repeated throughout his life. And I think when you look at the moment of his birth, you see this truth unveiling itself. Here is what Luke says. His historical account of Jesus' life starts with the birth of Jesus, and he says, she, that's Mary, wrapped him, that's his mother, wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available. This is one of those, it's one of those kind of quaint little moments of the Christmas story, the fact that there is no room for him. But in that moment, you see what John is saying. God comes into the world, but the world has no room for him. The world has no room for And of course, the story of Christ is for a large part a world that does not recognize him, that does not see him. See, the pattern of Jesus' life is always being on the outside. Jesus is a poor man. He comes from a small nation. He has no home to call himself, we learn, in numerous accounts of his life. Jesus is always on the outer. And God coming to the world is just like what John, what John says, people do not recognize him as God. As I said to you, if you were God and you came into the world, this is not how you would come into the world. You would not come into the world as a poor man in Palestine 2,000 years ago when all the mod cons of life do not exist. If you were God, you would come with power. You would come with might. 
And I suspect for a lot of people, that is exactly why the Christian message, the message at the heart of the Bible, which actually Christmas is opening up for us, might be a lovely story to tell your kids, but not something to build your life upon. Because God is a child in this story. God is a poor Palestinian in this story. Now, I want to ask you just to put aside that objection for a moment, because perhaps there's a purpose. Perhaps there's a purpose for this. I think there is. Because look at what John says a couple of verses later from verse 12. He says, yet to all, yet to all. See, in the Bible story, up until this moment of Jesus' birth, the Bible story has been yet to the Jews, yet to a small group of people. But suddenly the story opens up, yet to all. Not yet to some, or yet to those few, yet to all who did receive him. See, the moment here, the birth of Jesus as a poor, 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 Orphan, a poor child in the midst of a nation that's in tumult, that's under oppression. This birth has a very clear purpose, yet to all, because at this moment, Christ opens the story to everyone. And again, the, what John is saying here is, is shown in the story, because of course, when Jesus is born famously, the people who hear about Jesus' birth first and foremost are not kings, although kings do hear about his birth. They're not, they're not the intellectual elite, although wise men hear about Jesus' birth. No, the first people to hear about Jesus' birth are shepherds. Shepherds, poor, uneducated men on the side of a field. These are the people who God comes to. Because actually, that's the whole point of the story. That's the whole point of what God is doing, yet to all, not just to the powerful, not to the intellectually able, not to the wealthy, but to all. In fact, because Christ comes as a poor man, he is if he comes as a king, he's only ever accessible to those who can enter thrones and courtrooms and can access kings. If he comes as an intellectual elite, he's only accessible to those who can comprehend what the intellectual says. But as he comes as a poor man, he is accessible to everyone extraordinary and of course we see this most powerfully in the manger the shepherds get sent not to a courtroom to a throne the shepherds don't get sent they don't get sent to the synagogue or the sanhedrin these these spaces of religious power the shepherds get sent to a manger in a in a stable and the beauty of the manger is there is no barrier there there is no gate there is no checklist. There is no compliance required. You can go to the manger. Anyone, including a shepherd, can go to the manger. One author says this. He says, The throne of Solomon might awe you. Solomon, the great king of Israel. The throne of Solomon might awe you. That is exactly the kind of place where we expect God to be if he were to come into this world. It might awe you. But he goes on to say, The manger of the son of David must invite you. Apologies. The manger of the son of David must invite you. See, actually, the challenge of the birth of Jesus told to us in the gospel stories is this. What is stopping you accepting Christ? Nothing on Jesus' part. Nothing on Jesus' part. 
There's lots of things that might be stopping you except Christ on your side of the question, but not on Jesus's. Because he came as an infant born to poor Palestinian couple placed in a manger. The gospel is yet to all, to all. Now, maybe it's just, like I said, maybe it's not a case of you think there are any barriers there. You think, that's great. The invitation's there. The invitation's there. There's just not that much good stuff at the other side of it. I want you to see what John goes on to say. He says, to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And this is crucial. This is crucial to comprehend. See, God, in his invitation, is an invitation for you to be his child. Now, I say that, and I mean, even as I say it, you can kind of conceive of of what that might involve to be a child of God. It means you get access, like a child gets to their parent, right? They they can always talk to their parent. You you get that access with God. You, you You get assurance that you will always be a child. You don't stop being a child to a parent. That's the nature of the biological connection. That may be good, that may be bad, but that's a reality, it's an assurance about that reality. You get love if your parent is a good parent, you get love from that parent because of that relation. Now, all of those things are self-evident, but here's the thing I think about being a child. Often as a child, and it's hard for us to reflect on this back in our own childhood, but maybe as we watch people parent, or we have parented, we know this is true. As a child, you often receive more than you realise you're receiving. You often receive much more than you realise you're receiving. Last year, Christmas, we have these two services. Uh, let me finish with this story. We have these two services on Christmas Eve, 4 o'clock and 11 o'clock. Last year, after the 4 o'clock service, we decided that we, we would go through what is the rite of passage for many parents. We'd erect some kind of equipment on Christmas Eve. For our children as a surprise. If you're a parent, you, you've gone through this process. Um, and of course, we didn't want our kids to see it, so they went to bed about six o'clock, so we couldn't start till 6.15 or 6.30. Anyway, we decided we're going to put up a trampoline for them. Now, my dear wife, bless her, she bought a trampoline that was a slight bit larger than she expected. So when we unpack the boxes, there's even more pieces, there's even more of these springs. They had a great video which showed you how to do it. The video left out this one tip, as they, I think they do that on purpose actually, just to, just to assert who's in control, even in that moment. So I have to put 90 of these springs together and uh, put the first couple on and it goes fine. After a while, I find that they're not going into, because the tip's missing, right? There's this tip about how you're meant to put them in, you're meant to twist them and bend it slightly and I'm unaware of this and so I'm trying to bend the, and you understand a trampoline, the spring has to be taut, otherwise it doesn't do its job. And so I'm putting, you know, I said to, my, I said to Emily about 10 springs in. I said, oh, I don't think we're going to get this done. It's about 8 o'clock. I have to go back to church at 9.30 for the 11 o'clock service. Anyway, I've got a torch on. It's pitch black. Um, and I'm putting these springs in. Somehow, eventually, I get them all in. My hands, I'm not a laborer, of course. So my hands are not call- are calloused in a way that they haven't been for quite some time. There's blood coming out of them. My muscles are aching. I'm sitting here in church at 11 o'clock at night. My hands are still shaking from the physical exertion of attaching each of these 90 sprung things to the trampoline. 
Anyway, the next morning, our kids, God bless them, they're not even in the building. That's a, that's a joy, isn't it? They, 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 um, they see the trampoline. They run outside. They love this thing. They have no idea how much pain I'm in that morning. No idea. You know, the Apostle Paul says this. He's talking about, he's talking about praying to God. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. To him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. You see, Paul's saying, you think you know what benefit it is to be a child of God. You have no idea. You have no idea the depths of the love and the capacity that God has in store for you. And here's the thing. You think you can imagine it? Imagine a hundred times more. That is what is on offer in the birth of Jesus Christ. God comes to be a child to open the door to everyone, to the kind of deep love you cannot imagine. That's what Christmas is about. That's what we're celebrating. Let me pray. Kind Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much for this day and this celebration. In the midst of all the tumult of this world, the truth is that you have in store for us who would accept it a gift beyond our imagination, beyond our asking. And we see the taste of that in what Jesus Christ came to do for us, to become one of us, to suffer for us, to die in our place so that we could be your children. Thank you, Lord. I pray that your Holy Spirit would enliven our hearts with this truth and we would see Christ in all his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Jill's going to continue praying for us.